The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of On to the Next One. I know you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, there's there's, there's no UFC card this weekend. What, what are we doing here? Well, my best friend Alexander Kaylee and I decided we can't leave you hanging. We wanted to give you something we do a couple of times a year, mostly on UFC off weeks or if there's a lull in the schedule, an Ask Us Anything edition of On to the Next One, and that's what we are here to do. We got a lot of great questions from you, the listeners, the viewers, and we're going to answer as many as we can here. I am Mike Heck, and joining me is the aforementioned best friend, Prince of Positivity, the co-host, and usually the co-matchmaker, Mr. AK. How are you, my friend? I'm great, Mike. It feels like it's been a long time, my best friend, since we've done an Ask Us Anything It'll probably be a long time again, because I think, as we said on a recent, uh, I think the last episode of On to the Next One, we're heading, we're heading into a pretty thick period of UFC cards. So, uh, yes, you'll definitely be getting a lot of standard On to the Next One podcasts, a lot of breakdowns, a lot of analysis, post-fight shows, preview shows. So, yeah, it's nice to have a little room to breathe and kind of let people... Um, you know, let us know what's concerning them the most besides just like, oh, what happened last night or what's happening next week? It's like, let's, we, talk, we can talk, cover some more, some broader topics, Mike. Yes, it'll be, I believe, 13 weeks straight of UFC cards. It'll actually be, so in the United States, this current weekend, as you're listening to this, is a long weekend. Monday is Memorial Day. And then the next time, that we have a little break like this. It'll be another long weekend in the U.S. It'll be Labor Day weekend. So that's how the UFC is handling their schedules, and that's how we're going to be handling this program. So we got a bunch of questions. Like I said, we're going to go through as many as we can with the time allotted. Uh, 
we sort of narrowed some of them down. So, AK, what do we do? Just sort of flip-flop how we want to yeah, do this? Yeah, we can flip-flop. We can jump around. We've got a little dock in front of us with all the questions. Again, we don't have to stick to some of the ones that jumped at us right away. Uh, yeah, we're just going to try to get to as many as possible. But, Mike, why don't you Why don't you make the first pick? Why don't you make the first pick of which, which one? All right. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just go right off the top of the list here. Jason starts it off and asks, how many Bellator champions... Would you pick in a fight against current UFC champions? This is an interesting question because if there's any other promotion out there that could match the UFC in some respects, it is Bellator. They have a case for multiple divisions, possibly having the best fighter in the world in said division. So this is going to be a, an interesting little experiment, AK. What do you think? I think why don't we go you want to go through it like class by class? I think we and, should. I think we just go heavyweight on down. Let's keep a little score here. I'm gonna keep a little score at the bottom here. Mike. People I wish people could see the advanced tech we are we are doing here. All right. Hopefully see this will work. Go ahead, Mike. What's what's up? Uh, start right. from heavyweight? Uh so the heavyweight one would be Ryan Bader versus John Jones. Okay. And we've seen this fight already. Uh-huh. And that was like prime Ryan Bader. And it's not like Ryan Bader is a bad fighter. It's this is a clear John Jones win for me. Uh, yep. I'm, I've, I was trying to think of some sort of controversial take, some way to explain how Bader could win this fight. Uh, that's a, that's a no. So that's, uh, that's one for the UFC. Light heavyweight AK. Oh, this is an interesting one. We yeah. have representing the ultimate fighting championship, Jamal Hill. Fresh off of his victory against Glover Teixeira versus Bellator light heavyweight world champ Vadim Nemkov. Interesting fight here. I mean, the easy pick for me, though. I'm definitely picking Nemkov. I think the body of work is a bit stronger. Uh, Jamal Hill looked great against Glover Teixeira. No question about it. Uh, but uh, I've just seen, I've just kind of, I just think Nemkov has been performing at an elite level a little bit higher. Uh, I, I think he's been a great champion in Bellator. Again, just a little more experienced. I think a little more well-rounded. It's always hard to tell with a guy like Jamal Hill, who you feel like like we haven't even seen like his best yet. He's probably like a year or two away from his his prime. But that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. If they fought now, I would I would definitely pick Nemkov. Two years from now, could be a different story. Jamal, Jamal Hill's a pretty pretty up and coming, talented guy. I say up and coming. He's the uh, you know he's a UFC champion right now. But that's a pretty clear uh, first win for Bellator for me. Ah oh, man. I don't know if it's clear. I actually think Jamal Hill has a better chance than most people would suggest. Ah oh, man, I'm, I'm going to go with Jamal Hill right now. I'm going to go with Jamal Hill. All right, to get okay. it done. So all right. it would not surprise me if you're right, but I just I don't know. I feel like Jamal Hill is. You feel like he's a year or two away from his best, and that may be true. But I think we are on the cusp of his best. I think. We're going to see a run of Jamal Hill at his very best for the next few years. And I think we're already kind of there. And I think he's uh, I think he's running a little bit hot right now. So I'll go with Jamal Hill to get it done. I think this is a very close competitive fight. And give me Jamal Hill to eke out a decision with damage. I think damage will, will ultimately win throughout. And I think Jamal Hill hits harder than Vadim Nemkov. I think he could do more damage on the feet. And I think his wrestling and his grappling have gotten much better. Could be a problem, but I'll go with Jamal Hill to eat that out. So 2-0 for me for the UFC. Middleweight. This is interesting. This is close. 
Israel Adesanya representing Team UFC against middleweight Bellator champion Johnny Eblen, AK. Who are you picking right now? If they fought in a week, who would you pick? I'm still... I'm going to go UFC here. I'm going to go with Izzy, but it's this is almost a toss-up for me. Eblen is, again, sort of that new age, you know, mixed martial arts middleweight we like to talk about. Uh, who's just doesn't really have any obvious weaknesses like he seems to be a b plus or better in every category great cardio again powerful wrestling i would give him an a in wrestling which is you know uh, people have always kind of point to as possibly could be uh israel adesanya's kryptonite he's fared well like he has great takedown defense he certainly had people in the past say oh we're just gonna take him down wrestle him and ground and pound him and it doesn't really work that way but I, I again, I think Evelyn is is as talented in that department, if not more, than guys like like Marvin Vittori. Um, Rob Whitaker tried to wrestle with him a bit. I would say Evelyn's wrestling, I'd put it a notch above those guys. And again, then you add in the athleticism, you add in the um, the cardio. I'm gonna like I'm only leaning Adisanya because I think he'd be able to keep this fight on the feet long enough, and I think he has a pretty big edge over Evelyn there. Though Evelyn is not bad on the feet at all. So I just think if it, it I think it stays a stand up battle, I think Izzy wins it. But I, I love the uh, I love the conversation. I think um Evelyn has a very good chance to win that fight. I'm going Izzy. I just don't know if Johnny can clean up his defensive striking in enough time. Cause I think Izzy's gonna hit him. Because he leaves his chin wide open for shots and he's very aggressive on the feet, which obviously leads to the takedowns. And I think he can get Adesanya down, but man, over 25 minutes, that chin is going to get cracked by Israel Adesanya. So give me Adesanya late finish in a pretty fun fight. I got to go with Adesanya though. I'm not, I'm sold on Johnny Evelyn. I think this guy is going to be the middleweight champion in Bellator for a long time. I just don't know if he's going to be able to catch up to what Izzy does well. I think the evolution of Izzy's game is more prevalent, more noticeable. And I think the way Johnny Eblen strikes, I think Izzy's going to see some holes and he's going to take advantage of those. So give me Izzy. But again, another interesting fight. So 3 0 UFC for me, 2 1 UFC for you. Bellator's about to get on the board, AK. For me, Yaroslav Amosov versus Leon Edwards. I'm going Yaroslav Amosov to to win this fight. I feel like his striking is incredible, and he doesn't really get to show it that much. Showed it a lot in the Logan Storley fight, and he is just gonna get. He's just gonna be a problem for Leon Edwards with the grappling. I've I've seen this man frustrate everybody. I think he's kind of. I don't know if he ruined the career of Douglas Lima, but he certainly frustrated that man to a point where he's had to take a lot of deep looks in the mirror after that fight. I was there when Yaroslav Amosov beat Douglas Lima. I've never seen a fighter more frustrated in my life from a, at a high level than Douglas Lima when he fought Yaroslav Amosov. He just had no answers. He knew he had no answers. Just kept looking in his corner like, what the hell am I supposed to do? There's nothing I can do. And I think he could do that to... A lot of different guys. I think this is a good matchup for him. So give me give me Yaroslav Amosov to defeat Leon Edwards. I'm going to go Edwards. I think only because I feel like Edwards is so underrated. Like, I just feel like he's just not appreciated. 
I understand the first win over Usman was fluky, not to strike itself, but just, you know, the circumstances, the timing, just, you know, being able to, to land it uh, at such a key moment. I get it. I get it. You know, if you look at it, you're like, well, three. it was three rounds to one for Usman before. Usman was the better fighter. The second fight was close. I thought a pretty clear win for Leon. I think most people would agree, even though there was um, was a point deduction in there, right? Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the fence grab. So even then, I would think most people would, would most people would agree that Edwards kind of proved he was a better fighter there. And I think if they fought again, I would like to think Edwards would be pretty highly favored. But I mean, people just see him as so vulnerable, you know. Um, Colby's a good matchup for him, so people are saying Colby certainly has a chance if, if he's an underdog. Uh, Colby he won't be a big under he won't be a big underdog. I think at most like plus one fifty maybe. Um, he might even enter as a favorite. I don't know. I, I have to look at the the preliminary odds again. I know, I know they're out there, even though. The fight hasn't been booked. Uh, and then, of course, Hamza's looming. If he makes 170, people just seem so eager to take the belt off Leon. I think he's going to have, like, a decent run. Maybe not, like, super long. I see him getting at least a couple more defenses. Um, obviously, it depends who he fights. But I think he has a skill for it. And I would I would put him over Amasov. And that's not because I think Amasov is bad. I think Amasov is so good for all the reasons you mentioned. And is still kind of along with Eblin. You know, just needs to go on a run for people to really start appreciating them. Uh, but for now, if they if they met head to head, I think it'd be a very close fight, a decision win for Edwards. But I mean, it'd be a lot of close rounds. Like three of the rounds would be close. Just super, two super skilled guys. But uh, I, I think I think Leon is better than um, he often gets credit for. So yeah, I'd pick him to win that uh, that really really tough fight. The only line I could see that was put out was by Caesars. Colby's the favorite, but barely minus wow. one fifteen. Leon's minus one hundred five. So it's I mean it's a coin flip fight. Yeah. As sort of what I think it's going to be when it's when it's all said and done. Yeah. So lightweight, I think, is easy. It's Islam Makachev of Usman and Magomedov. Those two guys probably get after it every yeah. single day. It's not going to happen. And I'm yeah. sure Islam <laughs> is kind of the big brother in that situation. Uh, if you ask me this question two or three years from now, I might give you a different answer. But, yeah, I would go with Islam in that one. Yeah, you got you got to go level of competition, right? I mean, Usman is great, but I mean, he just hasn't beaten the names that Islam has. As far as as far as we know, Usman could be the best guy in that gym. You know, we don't know, but just based on what we've seen, uh, yeah, great, great fighter, awesome resume. He's rising up the lightweight ranks without. Again, he could end up top six, top seven at some point without ever fighting in the UFC or not fighting in the UFC anytime soon. That's how impressive he's been. But it's hard when you don't have those. It's hard to gauge a guy when you haven't beaten the guys that Islam has. So because Islam, I mean. Maybe the the number one or number two, you know, pound for pound fighter in the world right now, depending who you ask. Maybe number three, you know, throw John Jones in there too. But um, yeah, I got to go with Islam. All right, just to kind of breeze through this, uh, Volkanovski Pitbull would be a, a fun build, but I would go Volkanovski. Same. Same. Aljo over Sergio Pettis pretty easily. Aljo versus Patchy Mix is a different story. That's more interesting, right? But, and who knows? Pitbull could beat Sergio Pettis in a couple of weeks and. Become the Bantamweight champion himself. Okay. And then we have Patricia Aljo versus Aljo yeah. and Sterling, which would be interesting. Too. I would pick Amanda Nunes versus Chris Cyborg because we've already uh, seen it. I and still I, would as well. Yeah. Liz Carmouche versus Alexa Grasso, though. Yeah, I think uh, I think in this case, I know I've been talking a lot about experience and people being in their primes uh, as being the edge. I think uh, Grasso's youth is to her advantage here. And Liz has not looked amazing in some of her title fights um the deanna bennett fight wasn't like like that should i and deanna bennett's a fine fighter that would have been a nice statement win for carmouche uh it was competitive 
pretty much up until the finish. I mean, Deanna Bennett missed weight and all that. and But for someone that uh, Carmouche had already beaten, you kind of would have wanted to see more. So I'm not so convinced that uh, she can beat Alexa Grasso at this stage. So that's another UFC pick for me. I would go Alexa Grasso as well. All right. So there you go. So I, have, I picked one it? Bellator fighter. Oh, yeah, is that they it? Don't, UFC, uh, Bellator does not have a flyweight champion. That's right. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Men, men's fly, excuse me, men's flyweight champion. And no strawweight division. No no current strawweight division. So that didn't go well for Bellator, Mike. Well, I'm not like, and, and we could be completely wrong about some of these. Like, yeah. these are some of some these, these are, are really close fights. Yeah, some, some of these are toss-ups. really close fights. So, yeah, I think that's pretty fair breakdown of these fights. And a lot of these would be lined pretty closely. I would yeah. say I'd probably, if I was like given a bag of money and and you said you can only bet on these fights, I would probably find a lot of value in the Bellator fighters. I'd probably put a lot of my money on the plus money Bellator because of, because of the matchups and the value that they have. So I think they're very competitive in this series. I think there's only like a couple of matchups that I think would big time favor the UFC, but that's, that's a compliment to Bellator and what they've been able to build. So yeah, I I'd happily take a shot on Eblin or Amosov. I know you picked Amosov and uh, my lone Bellator pick was uh Nemkov, but yeah, again, it's, it doesn't reflect, I think how close we thought like, at least three or four of these matchups could potentially be. All right. You're up, AK. All right. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I will also state that, uh, you know, just stick with the list the way it is, because I like this question. This is from Zardoz. I also like this movie, Mike. I don't know if you've ever seen Zardoz. I have not. The gun is good. The penis is evil. No. Haven't okay. Seen it. Not, all right. Well, that, that uh, must be a very shocking quote then. That, with, without context, that <laughs> so... can't even imagine how that sounds. Oh, man. Uh, it's a very strange movie, and I don't really recommend... I don't know what like just going out of your way to watch it. I watched it when it was on, it was on TV randomly. Anyway, it's a very bizarre sci-fi movie that uh, it gets better the more you watch it, but also you become more insane. Anyway, so this is from Zardoz. 
considering the constant buffoonery from Dana White and the overwhelming criticism he rightly receives from fans, not to mention the miserable matchmaking missteps. This is just really well written. Do you feel Dana will at some point be held accountable by his bosses at TKO Group Holdings? That's, of course, the UFC WWE uh, merger. Do you think they're large, or do you think they're largely clueless of the space and White is bulletproof as long as he can keep inflating the UFC's value Regardless of whether that's accomplished by lowering fighter pay, etc. Things. Uh, okay, I, I, Mike. Let me let me jump into this one first because I did see this question earlier and I have a lot of thoughts about it. We, of course, criticize Dana White all the time in the media. We, we do it all the time. Uh, there's are a lot of things he does wrong from the role of a promoter. Like he is just not a great, good promoter. That that's a fact. He does not do traditional what you would traditionally consider fight promotion as far as building interest in fighters, uh, maybe events, but definitely not in fighters. Uh, so I'll, I'll push back, but I had to push back on some of these things. That's our, uh, overwhelming criticism he receives from fans. It's not overwhelming. There's a if anything, I I think the majority of people who watch the UFC, Mike, you can tell me if you think I'm crazy, uh, love Dana White, right? I think I think. I think there's a vocal minority. Again, there's us in the media who criticize him all the time. There's people, of course, who, uh, you know, look at certain aspects with a more critical eye and thus criticize Dana. But I think the majority of people, like people who necessarily, like, don't necessarily comment on Twitter, don't necessarily hang out in comment sections, um, I think they really love Dana White. I feel like some of that momentum is going away. Okay. I feel like some of that momentum is going away. I feel like not a ton of fans are on his side right now. I feel like a lot of those fans who were on his side are jumping off because they're seeing, they're seeing who he is. They're seeing how he handled Francis leaving and signing with the PFL. They're seeing how he handled Aljamain Sterling and just burying one of their champions. He's seeing, they're seeing how Dana is more focused and more passionate about truck drivers slapping each other in the face than the UFC. And they're also seeing that Dana has won the game. He has won. Mm -hmm. He has won. That company is printing money. And if you thought $380 million of profit was something, you wait till the TV deal comes through and they're going to be making close to a billion profit. That is a money-making machine. So just, I don't know. Dana's just not as engaged. He's more about making headlines. And you know what, AK? For the first time, for the first time in Don't a long do it, time. Mike. Don't do it. Dana White seems rattled to me. Oh. He seems okay. rattled. He see he wants he's doing everything he can to change the narrative. He's pointing fingers at the media. Go look at his Instagram. This is Friday as we record. Go look at what he's posted the last two days. Posting screenshots of articles that he feels he was misquoted on or the headlines a little clickbaity. One of them's from MMA Mania, who is one of our like partner sites. They're known for the clickbaity headlines, so that's one thing. The other one is like a like the Sun or like some weird like inquire ish sort of thing saying like Dana said that Barstool is gonna collapse, even though he was just like, nah, Barstool's like a great company, but they sold to Penn National, and once you get the corporate suits behind them, weird things can happen. And then it got turned into like Dana White is calling for the demise of like is predicting the demise of Barstool, which is what he did. The, the headlines was was pretty bad. And then the MMA Mania one was Dana, Hamzat Shemaev unfollows Dana White, UFC Brass, and Darren Till on Instagram, which clearly wasn't true because 
But the fact of the matter is, he is doing everything in his power right now to change the narrative because he sees people falling off. And they've been falling off since the New Year's Eve incident and how he handled it, not just how he handled it, how the parent company has handled it, how the UFC has handled it, how the fighters and fighter pay and and seeing the profits compared to what fighters are being paid. And again, and I'll let you go, I don't necessarily put all the blame on, I don't don't really put a ton of blame on Dane and the UFC for the fighter pay thing. They could come out and be like, you know what? We just came to this monumental deal because we love the fighters. We're going to give them 40% of the revenue. Why would they do that? From a business standpoint, why would they do that? When the fighters themselves have not given them anything to fear. Nothing. Nothing to fear. The fact that they did not come together after selling the company for $4 billion. That was it. That was your chance. Then guess what? You got other chances. You got other chances. You got new apparel deals. You had the ESPN deal. You're looking at this ESPN deal and how much money the UFC is making. That's another thing. And then guess what? You just had you just got another chance. You merged for this TKO Group Holdings company. Your company, the valuation, twelve billion dollars, like three times what the UFC sold for. You have leverage. You just gotta step up to the plate and be willing to walk away and not fight. But until that happens, the fighter pay thing is on the fighters. It's on them. Yeah. It's completely on them. And yeah. nothing's ever gonna change. And just to uh, just to go back to Zardoz's original question, uh, there's other things that are sort of again I wouldn't put on necessarily on Dana White. The miser- miserable matchmaking missteps. Listen, a great turn of the phrase. Uh, Dana White is not like the man 100 percent in charge of making the matches. He has Sean Shelby. He has McMaynard. He has other people. Other people. He, uh, it's the managers. The managers of these fighters are also responsible for sort of helping to kind of you know put these matchups together. So um, Dana White obviously is the is the boss. Of course, he has a hand in it. I imagine he has to sign off on a lot of these things. But you can't even blame him. You can't even you can't even blame him because he's doing his job of at least uh, him and his team, I should say, getting enough matchups together to make cards, to keep the ESPN deal satisfied, to keep that money train rolling in. Um, so, like, I feel like he's not going to be. He doesn't need to be held accountable for anything because, like you always say, Mike, uh, the UFC won, has won the game. Dana White's a big part of that. As long as he wants to stick around, I'm sure they'll be happy with it. He's very much a, a figurehead, which is not to say that he doesn't do actually do anything when he goes in the office. But I, I, I guarantee you, if you ask most fans, like, what do you think Dana White does? Like, what do you think he does on a day-to-day basis? They probably can't say, right? And this is part of, like, why fans love him so much. They just see him at the top. They see the UFC's rocking. They're like, thank you, Dana. And it's like, there's a huge, huge, huge team of people that are responsible for all these decisions. And he's the man at the front. Uh, and that's what he has, for me, has always been good at when he was also just like the commissioner, not like the president, whatever, just the face of the UFC, is the guy who, yes, he receives a lot of the praise, but he's also the guy who, listen, we write all the headlines, we criticize the UFC, we blame Dana White, fans blame Dana White for things. Again, it's not all him. When when fighters were, were getting underpaid, you know, before even before the, you know, the, the, the huge billion-dollar deal, it's not necessarily, Dana, it's not Dana White's call. That's the Fertitta brothers. How many times do you hear people complain about the Fertitta brothers? Rarely. It was always like, oh, what's Dana White doing? Dana White's not paying the fighters enough. I'm like, yeah, he's he's part of it, but he's not the one. He, there's guys above him that are, are are very happy the fighters aren't getting paid. And he takes 95% of the criticism. The people behind him now, like Endeavor, Ari Emanuel, whoever, they take 5% of the criticism. Dana takes 95%. That's what you, well, that's what they want 
in a front man. They want a guy who's front and center, taking all the crap. And at that, he is very, very good. I'm not a fan of Dana White by any means. But if you're telling me, like, it, it, one of the primary functions of his job, we think it should be to promote. But we know by now that's not his job. His job is to take crap. <laughs> and he does that very, very well. So I don't think he's being held accountable anytime soon. He does not part ways with the UFC and TKO Group Holdings and Endeavor, I think, until he decides it's time to go. He was not punished at all for the New Year's Day incident. <laughs> Right. There's there wasn't even a statement about it. It's never even been discussed by Endeavor or Ari Manuel or anybody else. There's no statement from the UFC, no nothing. And like I said, for all, and it was funny and and I didn't really realize that some of the fans are falling off until I finished BTL yesterday. Because a lot of the questions were about Dana and it obviously were set set up for me and Jed to speak openly and honestly about how we felt about certain situations. And typically when we kind of be real about Dana and the way he behaves at times, usually it comes with, Oh, there they go. Hating Dana again, blah, 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 blah. Usually the live chat is like, F these guys are out, blah, 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 blah. We didn't get like any of that. Like we got some, but most of it was like, yeah, these guys are right. These guys are right. Like never happens. He's losing people. He's losing people. And I honestly think it's just a, it's, he's chipping away at the fans between New Year's Eve, between the treatment of the fighters. And I'm not talking about fighter pay. I'm just talking about him getting on a microphone and blasting his champions and blasting Francis Ngannou and blasting the PFL. Not saying we're not going to do any gimmick fights. Oh, but call Tyson Fury. Give me a call so we can come in and fight John Jones like three days later. It's so stupid. And then just seeing the overwhelming promotion for power slap and like no promotion for their fighters is just unbelievable. And like, I'm not blaming Dana for having excitement about power slap. Like go for it. Like this is something you want to do and you think it's going to be great. Have at it. Be the, be the power slap president. Keep it off the UFC feeds. Nobody wants to see it. Nobody's following UFC social media accounts for power slap promos. It drives people crazy. I, I get so many DMs about people saying, I just want to go and look at next week's card. And all I'm doing is being inundated with buy power slap tonight, buy power slap, getting emails from the UFC, power slap today, tomorrow, the next day, seven days from now, it's power slap. Like just, it's shoving it down our throats. And all people are just getting sick of it. Like they're just getting sick of it. They're starting to see it. And we talk about this all the time. Like fans, like the UFC has been brilliant. Dana especially, partnering up with Barstool, partnering up with the Nelk boys in full send and all that. Like, this is brilliant because you using those platforms are introducing newer fans to the sport. And those newer fans for a little while are going to stick with those platforms. But eventually, the fans that are going to remain fans are going to graduate from there. And then they're going to start following sites like ours. And... They're going to see the insides of what is actually happening because we're going to tell you what's happening and we're going to write about it and we're going to be open and honest about it. And those people who jumped on during the pandemic and are starting to graduate to the next tier of MMA famineship, those Dana supporters, they're starting to fall off a little bit, AK. They're starting to fall off a little bit. They're starting to see what's really happening. Mike, I want to believe you. I am the Prince of Positivity. That's a very positive, well, not positive for Dana White, but I think positive for the culture of MMA and its fandom. 
I I, I don't know. I'm not. Sure. I'm, I'm just maybe I'm just not getting the same uh, gauge. Maybe I don't have my finger on the pulse. But um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, so but yeah, so my opinion, I don't think he gets held accountable anytime soon. Mike, you think oh. there might be. No, Slight zero. Crack. No, he's still... Oh, there's no accountability. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, zero. Oh, okay. zero. The fans right. might be falling off, but do you, do you think the company gives a shit? They didn't Hand over like, fist. They, they didn't care he's caught on video slapping his wife, whether it was... Hand over fist with the guys. Yeah, whether it was uh, a tat-a-tat or not, whether she hit him first or not. Like, you still... No other person in his position in any sport, anywhere, would have been, no. I mean, completely off the hook. Completely off the hook. You're out. They're just like, yeah, go apologize. Let's do this. Let's set you up with TMZ and we'll script out this whole thing. Like, and I actually thought Dana handled himself well, but like the second go around, like, cool, buddy. You answered all the questions. Like the media went at you, but we don't, we didn't want to hear from you. We don't want to hear from you. So I don't know. I'm telling you, AK, I'm getting 1987 WWE vibes. Actually, not even 1987 WWE vibes. I'm getting like 95 WWE vibes. I'm getting 95 WWE vibes because WWE, once they started absorbing all the territories, they were so far ahead of everybody during the Hulkamania era. They were just so far ahead of everybody that there's like no competition. I mean, zero. You had some fans who liked WCW and stuff in the NWA and, you know, there was a small group of people who were diehards for that promotion. But as years went on and we went through different stages of WWE, we just needed one company to come forward and at least create what some people would perceive as some sort of competition. And not only that, you need that competition, quote unquote, needed to make a move to change the industry forever. And what do they do? They got Kevin Nash and Scott Hall from WWF First guaranteed contracts in the history of professional wrestling. WCW went ahead of WWF for a little while. Not forever. For about a year and a half. Changed the business forever. And what did WWE do? It didn't go from, we can't give you money, pal. We can only give you opportunity to, now we got to give these dudes guaranteed money or we're going to lose them. And it was at that moment that the entire industry changed. I feel like we're getting close to something happening here, AK. Wow. Maybe it starts with the Francis deal because this is a huge deal. This is, I don't know if this is Hall and Nashy, but it's, it feels like it could be. And it's going to take some time. And even when Hall and Nash left, of course, the landscapers are freaking here. They could have been here earlier. When the Hall and Nash deal happened, like, it was just like, oh, this is cool. Like, they're there. That's, that's Diesel and Razor Ramon. And then, like, a few months later, the NWO things happens, and we're like, oh my God, this all paid off. This is ginormous. This is great. Maybe this could be the NWO moment, AK. Maybe this could be the NWO moment. Who's going to come with Francis and be the second man? Who's going to be the third guy, AK? Who's yeah. going to be the third man in the PFL's NWO? Because Jake, Jake Paul's Razor Ramon. Ooh, Fra- Francis, that's two. You're right. Fra- Francis is Kevin Nash, and uh, we'll see if we'll see. If. Oh, who's going to be the third man? Who our third man is. That's hopefully it's a it's a Hulk Hogan and not a Maple, but we'll see. Oh my god! <laughs> well done. That's a, um, That's a deep dirt sheet cut. I'm going to mute because the landscapers are up front. Why don't sure. you read the next question? All right, all right. I'll keep going in order then. Just uh, it's easier this way. From Steve, two true or false questions. Okay, we can do these a little bit quicker. Plus a bonus question. 
Uh, okay, that's fair. One, Conor McGregor will fight for a UFC title in 2023. Two, Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz will happen inside the... Uh, Nate, uh, Nate Diaz 3 will happen inside the octagon. Bonus question, will they put a gimmicky title on the line if that happens? Uh, love the show. Thanks for everything you guys do. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Um, so, yes, true or false? True or false? Uh, number one, Conor McGregor will fight for a UFC title in 2023. Mike, you want to take this one first? No. False. False. Uh, yeah, because well, we've... Well, we don't even know false. when the Chandler fight will happen, right? It has no date. I mean, we assume after, uh, you know, it'll be announced during the season, during probably one of the last two or three episodes of uh, Tough 31, hopefully. That doesn't always happen, but that is the, the expectation that has been the standard in the past. Uh, so we got... Ten, so this will end August 15th. So we're hoping the fight happens... Again, this is all taped, so it's it's not like... They could they couldn't book the fight for like October, November, or December. Like all those dates are certainly a possibility. But we know what Abu Dhabi's in there. Um, it's probably not happening at that pay per view. And then I guess November and December we don't December. know. Yet. It's probably going to be December. That's the target. But then we also talking about Conor McGregor here. I'm more concerned about uh, Mike. Am I screwed on my over unders? I remember one of the over unders was Conor McGregor John Jones combined fights in 2023, and I think it was like one and a half. I don't even remember this. Me, I do from the um from the prediction you know, our, show. Our prediction show. It's probably one and a half, right? I think it was one and a half. Yes, and, and I was like zero. I was like way under. <laughs> I'm like you don't see either of these guys. This was before, of course, the Ultimate Fighter thing was announced. Uh, before John Jones came back to fight uh, Cedil. Um, so now we're already at one. John Jones won. I'm not dead yet. I mean, listen, there's a good chance that we don't know what's going on with Jones and Miocic. We don't know. If this McGregor channel, it should happen no later than December. You just never know with these guys. So I'm not like out of it yet. We're the numbers at one. We just have the one John Jones fight so far. We're still at under one and a half, but it does look like, uh, you know, if things go well for the UFC, that they're going to find a home for Jones Stipe this year. They're going to ha- find a home for McGregor channel this year. So, uh, but yes, I mean, that has to be then. No, he can't fight for a title. I, it, it, it seems, it seems chronologically impossible. So big false, right, Mike? Yeah, I wonder if you meant 2024. Um, oh, no, no, he said... There's no fight for it no. He's Listen, this person said 2023. Yeah, I wonder. I, I, it just seems like a weird question. So maybe it was a typo? I don't know. Uh, I think it's... But it's definitely more, not fight for a title in 2023. I think it's more optimistic that like the fight will happen closer to the end of the Ultimate Fighter finale, but I, I doubt that. Oh, it could um, be. Okay. And then, true or false, Conor McGregor Diaz 3 will it happen inside the octagon. This is another false for me, Mike. I don't know. I don't know if you how you feel about it. I think it's going to happen. In the UFC? Yeah, I think it'll happen in the UFC. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. Again, we're in this, we're in this world where chain, like this could be another game-changing moment right here because Conor has two fights left in his deal. He could just fight them out and enter free agency much like Nathan Diaz did. And, but Connor's already said, I love the UFC. I'm going to resign with the UFC and all that. So, and I think part of him resigning would be to get this Nate fight under that umbrella. But wouldn't it be such a monumental move for both of these gentlemen who have a lot of respect for one another and understand what both would he would both have done for each other's careers. It'd be such a bold move. If Connor just fought out his deal and then fought Nate outside of the UFC. Like, that would be freaking huge. And you put on this mega pay-per-view and you keep all the money. It'd just be massive. But ultimately, I do think Connor will help 
the UFC in negotiations to get Nate back. I don't know if Nate signed like an eight fight deal, but after the Jake Paul fight, but ultimately regrettably, I will say true. It will happen in the octagon. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm leaning, I'm leaning a little more towards false as far as the gimmicky title being on the line. uh, Yeah, I think they, I actually think they would, I think they would create like the trilogy belt to, to, to commemorate the most, the most famous trilogy in, in, I was gonna say UFC history. They're gonna they would probably say in come in fighting history. No, never have two more volatile personalities had a more entertaining and meaningful trilogy. So we created the trilogy title for the winner to take home. So um, I think they would. I, I would like to see that. Yeah, some do something. A trophy, yeah. something. I would like that. I'm into that. Uh, AK Liam Perry asks. Uh, Bellator announced the arrival of its new flyweight division. Yes, we confirmed that yesterday. If any, do you think, who do you think will, uh, I suck at reading. Who, if any, do you think will be the first UFC fighter to move to Bellator? Liam Perry's writing was great. My reading was sus. What do you think? Wow. Who, if any, okay, let's see. A lot of good flyweights, a lot of good flyweights in the UFC. I'm trying to see who would logically jump over. Actually, there's some names that immediately jump out. Uh, let me, what was the phrasing of the question again? Who will be the, who will be the first? Okay. The first UFC fighter, I assume 125er. To move to Bellator. I mean, the first name that immediately comes to mind would be like a Tim Elliott. Um, I think he's being taken care of pretty well in the UFC. But I think he's also a guy who probably still like has hopes of fighting for a title someday. And I just don't think that's going to happen in the UFC. Um, not to say that I'm, I'm questioning how Bellator will build their flyweight divisions. There's a lot of good talents out there. Guys from 135 who could drop down. But I think Tim Elliott, if he goes over there, would be like an immediate contender. He just has a bit of a name. He's fought for the UFC title once. He fought DJ. Um, he was on that Ultimate Fighter season. That's how he got that title shot. So there's a name there. I don't know what his contract status is, though. As far as it could be Tim Elliott wants to ride or die with the UFC until he retires. The other option, and only because I'm not convinced. I mean, I know this is asking for first. So I guess Tim Elliott would be my answer for first. If I'm looking at sort of more intriguing names... I would love to see uh, Figueredo go over there. I know he said he's done cutting down to 125, but I don't believe it until it happens. I mean, wasn't he just supposed to fight Manel Cop? So I think if he wants to do one more run at 125, it has to be another promotion. So I don't know where his contract's at, but Figgy would be a logical and, and a big get for uh, Bellator's flyweight division. This is interesting. This is interesting. My first guess is like Alex Perez, because I think if Alex asked for his release, he'd probably just get it Mm -hmm. and go over there. But again, talk about another guy who has troubles getting down to 125. Matt Schnell would be a good one. Yes. I'd like to see like Tyson Nam get an opportunity like that. Finally, he never actually fought for Bellator, right? Remember when he knocked out Dantas and then... And it was like, oh, he's going to get signed. Now he can go over to Bellator and they can run that one back. He never actually, it never actually happened, right? There was a weird contract thing where they signed him, but he never fought. Yeah, it was very, very weird. Very weird. I forget how that all worked out. Yeah, it was, it was, there was a whole controversy around it. Yeah. I'll say, like, just straight, like, the phrasing of this question is very weird because this is like the UFC is just going to, like, release them to go to Bellator. I don't think they're going to do that with anybody. Or is it just like the next name that's currently on the UFC roster that would go? 
I'll say Alex Perez. Alex Don't love Perez, it. I love I'll say that. Alex yeah, Perez. No, you're right, because he's not a bit of a losing streak. Still a talented guy. I think still in his prime. Has a lot of great fights ahead of him. And yeah, maybe maybe but I just to, don't know if he can get to one twenty five. Like his fight <laughs> fell out the day of the uh, last had, one with Manel Cobb. Uh, he's had some problems with fights falling out. I don't know if you heard about those, Mike. Uh, it's been one or, one or one or two fights here and there that haven't uh, that haven't gone through. Jimmy Flick, I think, could be somebody that could end up over there. Yeah, it's gonna be somebody like that. I'm so I'm just so glad that they're doing. Value. I'm so glad they're doing flyweight division. Yes, I'm so glad. Yes, and do not, for the love of God, don't resign Ray Borg to have him fight at 125. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Don't, don't do it. Please, please don't, make don't. Me, don't make me mad about that whole situation again. I'm, I'm, I think I'm finally getting over it. Yes. My, I'm Mike, excited I'm gonna, for this move. Go ahead. I'm going to read a question from Maltex. Maltex. Uh, hi, Mike. You always refer to Alexander Kaylee as your best friend. Didn't you mention at one point that you never met him in person? That's kind of a yes or no question. Um, yeah, we've never... We'll talk about that more in a second. Another question, it's often mentioned in pause that you guys are not really fans of the show The Ultimate Fighter. Why is that so? Whoa. A lot of things to touch on. Let's let's mention the the never met thing first, Mike. Um yeah, we've we have never we have ne- never met in person. We have we have never met in person. Uh in fact, of the the people that I work with, I have met I think only 3. New York Rick I've met in person once. Well, GC, yeah, because I do the watch parts of them. Ariel, I've mm-hmm. obviously met, but they're mm-hmm. like kind of on a different wavelength. I'm talking about like full timers. Jose, I've met a, a bunch. Uh, Jed Mishu, I met once. He, because his, his parents live like not far from where I live, so we got to play a round of golf together, which is a lot of fun. But that is it. I've never, You've never I've met, met Casey in person? Oh, no, Casey, I've met. Casey, oh, okay. met. Casey and Esther, like, yes. Of Casey, course. Is, uh, Casey was a godsend at UFC 244. 244. Okay. He, he lent me a uh, a tripod after a security guard inside the Hulu theater at MSG just ran over my tripod and snapped it and like didn't even <laughs> apologize. I was so mad. And Casey had an extra one and let me have it, which this is pre-MMA fighting. I have met Casey as well. Uh, he's a good guy. He's a guy. I don't care. I don't care what people say about he's Casey. Man. He's a good guy. He's a good he's guy. The, he's the best. <laughs> I've not met Shaheen. I've not met Steven. I've yeah, not I'm met Shaheen. Brian. I've not met Steven either. And I've not met you, my best friend. I know it's such a. And Damon, a, it, I met, it will happen. Damon, I met once uh, covering the worst pay per view in maybe in UFC history, <laughs> UFC 208 in Brooklyn. I met Damon. Yeah, I think I. So yeah, I've met him. I, I guess I've met more than I thought. Yeah, but our, our connection it goes beyond. This is listen. This is, we live in the world of the internet now. Our, at social media, our connection goes beyond just face to face. We will meet, and it will be very emotional. We will film it. It will go up on our socials. We'll we might tweet it out from the MMA Fighting account. I don't know. It may have to be. We had, maybe have to make it a whole thing, but the best friends will meet in person someday. I'm this probably gonna hug. Me. Probably gonna hug you. Oh, you bet your ass we're gonna hug. <laughs> <laughs> the question is for how long? <laughs> yeah, it won't be too too awkward, but uh, it'll be it'd be a good one. It's gonna and be awkward. I, for, it, it, it won't be awkward for us. It'll be awkward for everyone around us. Yes, it will be. It'll be <laughs> one of those weird ones. But it'll be, it, but it'll be so worth it for me. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll mention the other question real quick. Uh, that you guys are not really fans of the show The Ultimate Fighter. It's not you guys. It's you guy, <laughs> me. I'm not a fan of The Ultimate Fighter. And the only reason I'm not a fan of The Ultimate Fighter is because it's the same show that it's always been. There has literally been zero evolution to the program whatsoever, and it drives me nuts. We're still doing the stupid basketball jerseys. We're still mm-hmm. doing 
Love weirdness. It. Like, it's the same. Like, I don't give a shit that these dudes are living in the same house as each other. They're just going to pull pranks and someone's going to get in a fight and get drunk and do something stupid. Like, this ain't the Jersey Shore, bro. Like, I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want to see these dudes get in there and train and fight. That's all I care about. This is this season will be different, obviously. Yeah, season 31. What's the last season you watched? This is season 31. Probably the Ronda Rousey Misha Tate season. That's a long time ago. That was it. I, I, and I didn't, I hated that season too. I was like, that's oh when my I God, first started writing show. about, that's when I first started like just blogging about MMA. <laughs> and, and, and the UFC does this to me. Um, they take things that I, that I liked a lot. Like the reason I got into MMA was because of the ultimate fighter. The first season of the ultimate fighter is why I am doing what I'm doing today. That's why I first fell in love with the sport because I got to watch Diego Sanchez, not fight dudes in the house. Like, because he got hammered drunk. No, because he was like Jean-Claude Van Damme playing Frank Dukes in Bloodsport. He's doing splits out on the balcony. He's doing all these weird things, and he's just annihilating people in fights. Like, Diego Sanchez was the reason that I watched The Ultimate Fighter. And then it's just, it's just the same damn show. And they're killing my Contender Series too, AK. They're ruining Contender Series for me. This was like my blessing. This is everything I had hoped for from the UFC. Give me the contender series where it's just, let's find out these guys stories and let's just have them fight. Let's just do a five fights and let's do it. And the best of the best get contracts. Like this is how it should be. And they even ruined that for me. AK first two seasons were spectacular. Next couple of seasons, everybody who wins gets a contract. And then this past season, the Joe Pfeiffer season, Dana White cuts that scathing promo if you don't show up on Tuesday night, you ain't getting shit. Be Joe Piper. And what happened? About 47 other guys were not Joe Piper and all got UFC contracts. They've ruined both shows for me, okay? They've ruined both shows. I love the Ultimate Fighter. So that question, yeah. So this did not, I'm very surprised to see this question, Valtex. Uh, this does not pertain to me. I've watched. I know there's a season I've missed. I fully, I know I never watched the uh, Chinese Ultimate Fighter season, which I feel like doesn't count. It was even called something else. Obviously, I guess there's like a translation, so they called it something else. I feel like it doesn't count. Um, but you know, but full disclosure, yeah, that's the one season I haven't seen. Uh, what did they call it? I can't find the name for it. Anyway, yes, Ultimate Fighter China. But yeah, I've seen almost all the international. I've seen I've seen all the international seasons. I've seen all the domestic seasons. And uh, just to answer someone, so I love the show. Someone else, I think CV asked, uh, "Will you guys be doing recap pods for the upcoming tough season?" You bet your ass we will, because uh, we actually starting this Tuesday with the premiere of the Ultimate Fighter Thirty One. We'll be doing only for the first episode. We will be doing a live show. We will be doing a live show right after. The timing just worked out that way. It makes a lot of sense. I don't know if there's going to be any more buzz around the show than on after the premiere. Uh, maybe the episode where Connor shoves uh, Michael Chandler. That's about it. But yeah, so the first episode, we will be live this Tuesday. This will be, I think, 11 o'clock Eastern time. So uh, 8, 8, 8 o'clock Pacific. So again, don't get used to it. It's not going to be this way all the time. Uh, but we will have... Uh, using you know movie magic, we will have post fight shows every week. Um, yeah, so there'll be a pod, there'll be video. Connor Burks and I will be hosting. We may have guests here and there, and may fighting guests, uh, and uh, you know whoever else, whoever else we can kind of sneak onto the show to do a quick recap. But yeah, just a quick punchy post fight show, 
um, for what will be the most watched season in uh, Mike, probably since the season you mentioned, the Rousey Tate season, because I think since then, or uh, McGregor Faber, maybe. I don't even remember that having crazy ratings or having crazy buzz around it. And then after that, definitely none of the seasons, even though, even though they had some very solid gimmicks. Nothing really caught on. I think they've just hem- have been hemorrhaging viewers for the better part of the last uh, five years or so. So yes, there will be a there will be a show. I don't know if I should reveal the title yet. Maybe maybe I'll wait and uh, you guys can be surprised by the title. Now you have me intrigued, AK. You have to <laughs> you have to private message me the the title. All right. Um, where are you going, Mike? Where are you going? We're in the wilderness now with some of these questions. We are. You know what? Let's just let's just rip the bandaid off, AK. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off. Uh. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I got a lot of questions about two certain topics. Um... It started with one and then it led into another. And I just looked on Twitter and something else just kind of like came across that kind of had to do with the question. So um, it had to do with the Dana White UFC Vegas 73 post-fight press conference. Not about what he said or do it. It kind of had to do with the Aljamain Sterling situation because that's how this all came to be. But at one point, Dana White said... Hundred dollars to anybody who can guess who called me on the phone and said they'd fight Sean O'Malley instead. And a reporter said the name, and Dana reached into his pocket with his fly down and handed a hundred dollars to this reporter. Uh, this led to other media members publicly calling this individual out, uh, and they wanted our response to that. And then, in addition, um, Robbie Fox has been getting a lot of heat from the space as well because. There's a video that he posted that Dana White flew him out to the power slap thing, and he took a video of this big old suite in Las Vegas at the Red Rock, and they paid for him to go out and cover the event. And in the journalistic world, both of those things are no-nos. You cannot accept anything from anybody, especially a trip or someone paying for your expenses and all of that stuff. Um we're not going to like plead the fifth on this, but I'm not going to like call anybody out about it. I'm not going to like throw names out. I'm not going to really talk about the hundred dollar thing. A lot of, enough people have talked about it. And yeah. And, and listen, they, we're just not going to throw the name out there because they, they've addressed it publicly on social media. If you want to know who it is, it's not hard to find. They've talked about it. They've defended themselves. Um, so yeah, I, I just don't want to create more drama by necessarily just throwing the name out there. Again, it, it's out there. It's not, it's not right. a secret. It's not a secret who it was. And to address the Robbie Fox thing, 
Robbie is a Robbie's a public shill, and he's admitted it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the tweet I just saw basically just admitted the same thing. <laughs> um, the tweet he just posted was the PFL also flies us out to events and puts us up in hotels. WWE does this as well. So is AEW and DAZN. If you'd like me in the spinning backfist boys at your next event, hit up the sales team at Barstool. To Robbie's credit, he is not a journalist, and he has said it a million times. I believe the quote he used uh, in response to some people is like, I've been making dick and fart jokes for 10 years. I'm not a journalist. I'm a fan. This is what I do. We are not journalists. So I don't put him in the same standard because he admits this stuff, and especially on the UFC side, they partner with Barstool. Like they're they have a relation. There's a partnership there. It's smart for for the UFC to invest in Barstool in the Nelk boys coming out to their events because that's how you get new eyeballs on your product. So I don't lump Robbie into this because Robbie has been clear from day one. I am not a journalist. I don't live by the same ethics as journalists. MMA has enough journalists in the space. I am not one of them. So do not put me in the same category as them. And I respect him for that. Um, so that's why I don't have a huge problem with that because what you and I do, Robbie isn't doing the same thing we're doing. We we live by different rules, different guidelines, and Robbie's doing something completely different than what we're doing. And good on him. He's finding success and kudos to him. But he's not a journalist, so I don't have an issue with any of this. Yeah. I don't. Mike, I'll take it one step further. I I don't respect his what he does. I don't like what he does. But but it is. But he has made it very clear. And I'm just repeating you. I know. But he has made it very clear that he is not a journalist. He has ne- he has never presented presented himself as a journalist. He might present himself as someone who like you know can has access can get you know interviews with fighters. Obviously, he does a regular podcast with Dana White. Um, so he might like boast about those things and that's fine. That's his right to, that's his right to. Um, so this is, this, for me, this is like a, just like a personal thing. I'm, I'm not a fan of, of Barstool in general. I'm certainly not a fan of how he covers the sport, but he is doing very well for himself. So uh, if you're Robbie Barstool, I mean, you don't really have anything to apologize for. Uh, cause like you said, as long as he's not presenting himself as this, like, oh, I'm an objective reporter, which he has never done. He has never done. You can walk, you can you don't even need to hear him say it. Look at how he conducts himself. Look at his social media. This is not someone pretending to be a journalist. And and and, there, and trust me, there are people in this industry who are pretending to be journalists. Uh, he is not one of them. He is not one of them. And that is okay. That is okay. And if you accept that, then that's fine. There, there, then there's no reason to criticize him from doing these things because, as you said, most importantly, Mike, they're all Barstool already is in bed with the UFC. So by that nature, how can um, anyone who works for them be viewed as doing journalistic work when when talking with the UFC. You can't. You you just can't. And he doesn't. And he doesn't say he does. So that's fine. Just because I'm not a fan doesn't mean he's doing something wrong. Uh, you're free not to like it. Like I said, I don't. But it's just literally, ethically, nothing wrong with what he's doing. Um, touching upon the $100 thing, I'll just say, like, I don't want to make excuses because, again, I don't, think, I don't think anyone should do it. I wouldn't do it. And by the way, I also rarely refer to myself as a journalist if i've done it it's maybe conversationally but people can go to my twitter profile uh i do not put the word journalist in there i'm a member of the ma media for sure i'm a personality i'm a writer my official title is i'm a news editor 
Um, I personally don't do a lot of journalistic work for MMA fighting. I think Mike, you do. I think Damon does. Guillermo Cruz, uh, Steve Morocco, Shaheen, a lot, a lot of guys do like, you know, you guys do journalistic work, checking sources, uh, interviewing people. I don't even do that many interviews these days. So I will say I, I, I have never considered myself a by the book journalist. That said, I do try to maintain certain journalistic standards. I would not have taken the $100 bill. I have never been flown out by promotion. Um, I've never taken anything from promotions just because I want to maintain some sort of objectivity in general. And I think once you cross that line, again, it, it does muddy the waters a little bit. But, this is another but, MMA journalism and media is, and we kind of touched upon it with the Dana White thing, is unlike any other sport. That doesn't mean that the media in it shouldn't uh, adhere to basic journalistic tenets, but it is not the same thing. It is not the same thing. So I think taking the money was wrong. I just don't think it was necessarily the worst thing in the world. Uh, it was a it was a, a kind of an amusing moment at the press conference. Again, it was a very it, it's it's not a business transaction. Let's 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 not call it that. It's not something that I feel like was happened so that. Um, you know, this reporter will give beneficial coverage of the UFC. I don't think that's what it is. It was kind of just an in-the-moment thing. Um, again, shouldn't have happened. I wouldn't take it. But it's not the same as, uh, you know, someone giving a journalist money for uh, some sort of favor or something like that. So, again, just kind of a weird, funny, silly thing. I, I, I and, and, you know, I don't approve of it, but um, not the worst thing. And, again, same, and just the same thing with Roddy Barstool. I don't like it. But, no, his behavior is not, like, it's not hurtful to the media the journalist journalism industry because he's it doesn't present himself as a journalist so there you go that's that's really i think the nicest way we can sort of address it mike yeah i wouldn't have taken it either uh i would have been like donated to a dv charity that's probably what i would have said dv um, charity uh a, a journalist any, uh journalist yeah, journalist funds. yeah things that help yeah, journalism funds. Yeah. Sure. uh give it to the wga little fund going on right there which you can support them while they're on strike um yeah it's just a weird thing and Maybe it's a learning experience. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But at the end of the day, the way I see it is, um, if these, if these, if people are able to look look at themselves in the mirror and they're like, "I'm okay," then more power to you. That's that's it. Like you know, I ain't here to impress anybody. You know, I've misreported a, a thing or two, and you know, I've apologized for it and done whatever. Um, I could be a stubborn prick at times. I ain't perfect, but yeah, there are certain things I wouldn't do because look, Dana keeps receipts, man. He does videos and all this stuff. And all it takes is for, you know, me to accept that hundred dollars and then go on heck of a morning and say what I would answer a question honestly. And then Dana be like, Oh, look at the guy that I just gave a hundred dollars to now ripping the, the promotion. Like makes you look like makes me would make me look like a hypocrite. So, because I don't know. I'm just, I'm more Boston sports radio and just say what's on my mind in a, I, I mean, there's certain ways I don't do it. I don't tack personally. I just go by with what I see, but yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't be my thing. But again, if this person can look themselves in the mirror and say, cool, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. Then that's all I need. I'm good. That's as much as we're going to say, like we could go further, but there are a lot of people. I didn't want to just like AK and I talked about this behind the scenes. Like, should we address this? Cause we got so many questions and I figured, I think we'd hit it the way we wanted to. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, 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 I've said my piece. And again, I want to say again to, to to the reporter who took the money. Again, I've I've uh, I didn't I didn't mention it. I didn't talk about it publicly. Like I didn't tweet about it. I didn't get involved in the conversation because again, I just I didn't think it was like this horrible horrible thing. But I also don't blame the people who called it out. Let, let me make that clear. I do not, not blame the people who called it out. Um, it's it's not something that should happen. But I'm also some somewhat I don't want to say sympathetic, but kind of understanding of why it happens, and you know, it just it, it is a little thing. And like you said, maybe it's a learning maybe it's a learning moment. Maybe it isn't. But um, you know, hopefully, we'll all just sort of sort of uh, move on from it and not not see too much stuff like that again in the future. Uh, well, with that said, we'll go to Alicia. Hey, Mike and AK, yeah. first time submitting a question. I know a lot can happen between now and then, but who do you think will be the women's champions in the UFC by the end of 2024? And as a second question, will someone else besides Amanda Nunes have the chance to have two titles? What do you think, AK? I hope that Amanda Nunes doesn't have two titles by the end of 2024. Is that fair <laughs> to say? And not because I want to see her lose. I just want to see this featherweight division buried. It's It was great. You had to make a belt when you got Chris Cyborg. It was great when you also happened to get a bantamweight champion in Amanda Nunes who could come up and comfortably fight at 145. So there was this brief window, 2017, 2018, where it's like, oh, cool. Let's talk about women's the women's featherweight division as if it's actually a thing. And these are like legitimately intriguing fights. I want to see Chris Cyborg fight, you know, Holly Holm. I want to see Chris Cyborg fight Amanda Nunes. But since the Cyborg-Nunes fight... It's it's been a bit of a joke calling Nunes a two division champion with respect to Felicia Spencer, with respect to Megan Anderson. Um, it, it's just not the it's just not like the other divisions where you really have to have this outstanding body of work to earn a title shot. It's just are you coming off a win or two? Doesn't Amanda Nunes uh, want to uh, defend the featherweight title? Boom! Guess what? You, you're fighting for the for the featherweight championship. So I would hope by the end of the year they just they just don't they just take that belt away. It's just getting absurd at this point. So. Uh, so no, I guess to that was it. Uh, well, so no, no, because no one should have, <laughs> other than Shevchenko going up and fighting Nunes for one thirty five, which I think the ship is kind of sailed. Um, Shevchenko, of course, would have to win the uh, the flyweight title back first. No, that's I don't think you see that anytime soon. The Bamp, just just do the Bamp weight division and yeah. just do like one thirty five up, like like treat it like heavyweight. You know what I mean? I'm fighting for it, Mike. I'm fighting for it. Just one title. 135 to 155. Just do it like that. You can weigh on whatever you want in between those weights. Who cares? Like, who cares? It's just so silly that we have three featherweights in the women's bantamweight rankings. It's so silly. It's so ridiculous. But so I'm with you. Uh, I think Amanda Nunes will be the bantamweight champion by the end of two- no, no. I, no, I was no, saying, I'm, are you on I'm, the correct? Are, are you incorrect. on the Irene Aldana upset train? Yes, I am. I sure am, AK. I got vibes, and the vibes have been screaming to me ever since that press conference. I just feel like Arini Aldana is going to beat her, and I feel like she's going to finish Amanda Nunes. I feel like she's going to have a big moment. I feel like she's going to have a big moment. And I think she's going to hold that title for a little while because, honestly, there's not a lot of other people to fight. Who's she going to fight next? Pennington rematch. We could do Pennington. We could do Holly Holm. I'd like to see those two running back. I'm going to say Rini Aldana at bantamweight. And then her first order of business is to kill the featherweight division forever. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield at 125. Zhang Weili at 115. Oh. 
Uh, Grasso, she has a tell defense scheduled, right? I'm not crazy. No, she doesn't. She's probably going to fight Valentina next. Right. There's talks about Aaron Blanchfield maybe fighting Man and Fioro okay. in September. Okay. Uh, which I'm definitely picking uh, Aaron Blanchfield to win that fight. Damn. And I think what, I just think when Aaron Blanchfield fights for the title, she's going to have the title for a long time. So um, that's why I'm picking her. She will get her shot and she will win. Mike, I'll, I'll friends forever with you on Aldana. I love it. I'll stick with Grasso to win, the, to still be the champion, whether it's because she beats Blanchfield or the Blanchfield fight just doesn't happen this year. End of 2024, AK. It was the end of 2024? 2024. That's so far ahead. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, hopefully there won't even be a women's bantamweight division by then. But um, <laughs> uh, let me go. take a quick glance. I've got my rankings open anyway. Let me take a quick glance. At my, gosh, bantamweight. Like, besides Aldana. What if she fought Pennington? Pennington beat her again. Can you imagine that? Like, Could what happen. State would be in? And it'd be great. I'd be very happy for Kel Pennington. But what a state the division would be in. Um... Irina Alexeva just made her debut, but she didn't even make weight. This is something else. Jamie, Julia Avila's coming back at some point. Maybe she makes a run. I'll. It won't be Amanda Nunes. I, I just think she'll... I, we say this every year that she might retire. I, I think there's a good chance if she's still champion, she, at some point she's going to walk away, right? If she beats Aldana, what's left for her? Yeah. I don't even want to have to answer this question. <laughs> I honestly, yeah. I honestly don't know. I honestly feel like someone has to come up from 125 and do it. Like, I, mean, I don't know. Aaron Blanchfield should do it. If she, if she dominates Lex Aggression, she should come up and do it. Uh, so I'll go with you then on, yeah, Blanchfield will be champ by end, by end of 2024. That's true. That does change things. I'll go with you on that. You know what? Maybe Valentina goes up to 135. I'm going to throw it out there randomly. Valentina, up to 135. Last run of her career. She finally gets that title. And Strawweight... Strawweight, Jiang Weili is a pretty easy pick. You know what? Jillian Robertson. Oh, damn. <laughs> Let's go, Canada. Let's go. I'm going to throw it out there. I like what I've seen so far. I don't know if she gets a shot in 2024, but she's she, she could get there. She could get there. I'm The UFC's return to Toronto next year. UFC comes back to Toronto next year. Jillian Robertson. Gets her title shot, wins in front of the home crowd. I am, I am manifesting this. And then March 2025, co-main event for the flyway title: Aaron Blanchfield versus Natty Ice. Let's go, Natalia Silva. Let's go. Uh, go ahead, AK. I believe you were up. All right, let me let me grab one here. We'll grab two. We'll do two more. There's a few Colby ones. Uh, I feel like we have to. There's a few, a lot of Colby talk. We do some Colby talk. We do some Colby talk. Uh yeah, let's do some Colby talk. All right. Well, first I'll go with um, I'll I'll, I'll I remember some of the other questions. I'll spin them off. So guys, apologize to everyone else if I don't get your name in there. But from Ronald, first Ronald just wants to know, simply enough, at this point, when will we see Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington happen? It seems like these cards are filling up fast and space is limited. I guess is Abu Dhabi the hope now, Mike? What are we What are we thinking here? My guess, if the UFC could have it their way. Co-main event, November, Madison Square Garden. Uh, John Jones, Stipe, the main event. Co-main event, Leon versus Colby. Then we get not only two title fights, we get Colby back at MSG. We get John Jones at MSG. We get a press conference with John Jones and Colby Covington on the same stage at the same oh time. And you know the UFC is going to love that. So 
Uh, that hey, would be you, my guess. You don't be think the Connor? You don't think Connor Chandler might land there? If it does, they'll do it in December. Whenever Jones and Stipe uh, fights, that will be the co-main event. But Connor my, wants MSG. He probably wants MSG, right? He's like, I don't. I'm not going to wait till Vegas. I guess Vegas. They, you know, he I just don't Vegas know if too. he's going to be if he's going to be able to do the six months and get cleared. Not that I think that really oh, yes. really matters at the oh, end of the day, right. but I don't know what Connor mm-hmm. wants. Probably Connor gets, but yeah, I'm I'm hopeful Jones Stipe gets done, and then we do Connor Chandler in December. Okay, so you like Leon and Colby uh, at Madison Square Garden in November. As the co, yeah, as the co-main sure, event to, to Stipe and, yeah, whatever Jones Stipe happens, that's the co-main event. If they can't get Stipe and Jones this year, let's say that doesn't happen this year, then what do you think happens to Colby and Leon? That'll headline whatever Connor doesn't. Tricky man, a lot of dominoes need to fall, eh? Not really. That's true. If Connor and Chandler fight in December, it's either Colby Leon is co-main event to Jones Stipe, or if they can't get that one done, then Colby Leon is the main event. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So it's not like super complicated. Um, spinning off of this, Mike. Uh, what was the question I just read there? Oh yes, I put it in a weird place. Uh, Carl France wants to know: Can you explain how Covington and Sugar, uh, Sean O'Malley, get propped up as title contenders, beating no one of note? That's an interesting one. You've been you've been you've presented a pretty strong case for uh, why Colby's like not a crazy you know uh, choice to get this title shot. So you want to re- you want to reiterate any of that? I'm happy to defend the O'Malley title shots, which isn't difficult at all. I mean, o- O'Malley is easy. Um, plus, we have to remember, ladies and gentlemen, this is the UFC. This is the WWE. This is not WCW. This is not Bellator. It's not the PFL. This is not meritocracy be damned. This is what fight is going to make us the most amount of money as quickly as possible. And with what is available right now and what is realistic right now, it is Colby Covington versus Leon Edwards. In fact, if Jorge Mazadal had defeated Gilbert Burns, we would be talking about Leon Edwards versus Jorge Mazadal for the title. And Colby beat the brakes off Jorge Mazadal. Like that fight was it was it was a one sided destruction like Mazadal had a moment but Colby dominated that fight from bell to bell so that would have been a tough hang as well there's really no right answer Hamza Chemaev is such a mystery there's literally like Bilal Muhammad's there but Colby was already the guy like Colby was already the guy and Colby is a prize fighter like I get so many questions on heck of a morning and I'm not dogging anybody for this because this is this is a learning thing they're like, well, what they should do is they should just do Leon versus Bilal, and then Colby just has to fight Shafkat Rachmanov. I'm like, what the what world are you living on? You think Colby Covington is gonna be like, yeah, man, like you're just gonna give me a title shot, and now I'm gonna have to fight backwards and fight Shafkat Rachmanov? Like, Sign me does, up. Yeah, what and what does Colby gain from beating Shafkat Rachmanov? He gains nothing. Nothing in the grand scheme of things. To the fans who are like not fans of Colby getting a title shot, it's, well, he finally got a win, but you know what you're going to say. You know what you're going to say. Well, Shafkat maybe just wasn't as good as we thought he was. He's only got like four fights in the UFC. Hasn't beat a top five guy, so that win ain't shit. So I know how a lot of you guys think. I know how it all works. Colby's going to get a shot. Leon wins. We have a meritocracy. Bilal gets the next shot. We're good to go. Uh, but Colby is a prize fighter, man. Like Colby, much like Dana White has won his battle, Colby has won prize fighting. He has found a way to make money, win fights, and beat the biggest names in the sport at the perfect times 
where the risk was as low as it could have possibly been, i.e. Tyron Woodley, Jorge Mazadal, Robbie Lawler, the list goes on and on. He beat a really good RDA, and then he fought Usman and had two very competitive fights with Kamaru Usman. There are a lot of people still who tell me that they feel Colby won the second fight against Kamaru Usman. They felt that Colby won it. So I, I, I don't have an issue with it. Like, I don't have an issue with it. I feel for Bilal Muhammad, but if I'm Bilal Muhammad right now, I ain't worried about Colby Covington. I'm worried about Conor McGregor. I'm worried about Hamzat Shemaev. And I'm worried about your boy Shafkat Rachmanov because if Hamzat doesn't fight Kamara Usman, we live in a real world where Shafkat could fight Kamara Usman. And if Shafkat gets that fight and wins, he's probably jumping over Kamara Usman. And if Hamzat Shemaev fights Kamara Usman and wins, he's jumping over Bilal Muhammad for sure. And if Connor beats Michael Chandler, he's jumping over all of them. So he's got more important things to worry about than Colby. And that is why I hated having Bilal Muhammad Gilbert Burns at UFC 288. It made literally no sense to put that fight on the card. Did nothing for it at all. Did not make an extra dollar for the UFC putting the fight on that card. And now poor Bilal Muhammad had to fight Gilbert Burns on short notice. And he's going to have to wait probably a year if he's going to get a title shot. He's probably going to have to fight again. And it just sucks for the man. When we could have just waited until any other month this year and you could have done that fight with the same stakes and everything else on the line. But instead, Bilal Muhammad has to just hope that Connor and Chandler don't fight, hopes that Hamzat Shemaev stays at 185, hopes that Kamar Usman doesn't fight Shafkar Rachmanov. He, like, he, speaking of things that need to fall into place, Bilal needs everything to fall into place for him. And it's not fair. It stinks. But Colby's going to get that shot, man. He's going to get it. He's yeah. smart. UFC called him to be the backup. He said, yes, made weight like a champion. Knew that day. He knew the day before the fight he was getting a title shot. They told him, you're getting the next title shot. So, yeah, he's not going to be like, you know what, Bilal? You're right. Here you go. I'll go fight Shafkat instead. No, he's not going to do that. He's fighting for the belt, guys. I'm sorry. I know you don't yeah. like it, but he's going to fight for the belt. I'm I'm super, like, anti Colby getting the title shot, like I hated it. I hated it when it was brought up. I hate it was just it. But the phrasing of this question is weird, saying that he he beat no one of note, which is like because you'd actually have to go pretty far back to find someone that he beat that wasn't of note. Um, you again, and you can question oh whether, whether these people were in their primes or not. But just on paper, Masvidal, Woodley, Robbie Lawler, RDA, Damian Maya is a pretty strong resume. Um, again, criticize where they were. Listen, these guys were top 10 when he fought them. I get it. As years go by, people are going like, oh, well, now if you look at Kobe's resume, he hasn't beaten anyone in the top 10. But you could do that with a lot of fighters. Like, that's not really fair. Um, he beat these guys when they were ranked when he was supposed to. So his resume is like, it's legit. It's legit. Again, I, do, I don't like the circumstances under which he's getting this tele shot. I'd rather see, you know, God of Kamzat should actually make the weight. I would prefer that. Bilal, I feel like, should have gotten it. Um Shafkat, I know he has not, he doesn't have near the resume of Colby Covington. I'd still rather see that fight. But just based on resume, you really can't dismiss Colby. Like that that the phrasing of the question doesn't make sense. And Sean O'Malley, definitely not. He beat Piotr Jan. Guys, he beat Piotr Jan. He beat the former champion, the number one ranked guy at the time. I don't know how you, anyone can say he's just being propped up. And again, I'm not a fan of Sean O'Malley either, but 
that Jan fight was awesome. And if he had lost, the narrative around Sean O'Malley would be so different today, Mike. It would be like, man, Sean O'Malley really, he didn't win, but man, he really showed a lot of people he belongs in the top five. 1,000%. During the fight, I wish, I wish there was an easier way to track social media. During the fight, so much of Twitter's, the Twitter responses were like, man, Sean O'Malley's looking really good. Like, holy crap, like, he, he's doing much better against Jan than we thought. As soon as the decision was read, you saw, I don't want to say it was the same people, but you saw a, a different segment of people suddenly chime in, like, oh, this is bullcrap. Like, he's, there's a robbery. Like, he, like, Jan, 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 like, you know, Jan clearly beat him. And I'm like, no, it was a really, it was one of my favorite fights of 2022. And I hate that so much of the conversation was like, oh, he, he didn't really beat him. It could have gone either way, for sure. But if you're saying that Sean, that there's no reasonable way to score that fight for Sean O'Malley, you're you're just either super biased or you don't know how to score fights and you don't know what you're talking about. That's a legit win. That's a legit win that made him the number one contender. So if that, that sounds like we're coming hard down hard in the first new ask this question, but um, no, yeah, there's very there's very logical reasons why these guys are getting their title fights, and you don't have to like it. Like I said, I don't like the Covington title fight. But I know why he's getting it. Mike has outlined it. There's so many tangible reasons that he's getting that title shot and why other guys aren't. So that's that's how it is, guys. That's how it is. So you don't have to like it. But you, listen, as long as you're uh, watching the fight, that's all the UFC cares about. Look, one of two things is going to happen. Leon's Either Leon's going to beat Colby and then he's like out of the title picture for a while. Or Colby's going to win and... That's going to screw up a lot of things. <laughs> he's probably fighting like Connor or Chandler next. Like that's going to be really interesting if Colby wins the title. Cause there's no way Leon's getting a rematch if that happens and things are just going to get out of control. And I'm kind of here for it. I just want to see people's heads explode. I want to see Dana just kind of lose the shit a little bit more when people start questioning his decision-making. And I kind of love that stuff. I kind of love that stuff. Uh, all right, I'm gonna pick this question. This is what we're gonna do, AK. Um, we're already an hour and 17 minutes, which is like longer than I thought we were gonna yes. go. I do have to pick up my child in like 15 minutes, Very well. so let's, we're let's gonna rest one more question, and then uh, since next week's card is not good, we will answer the remaining questions. Sure. How about that? That's sure. what we're gonna do. I'm going to Robbie Ryan because I feel like this is a, a an interesting topic. A lot of people seem to be jumping on the PFL bandwagon and trashing the UFC since the Francis signing, but is anyone in PFL really any better off other than Francis, his opponent in the season winners? How does their minimum deal compare to the UFC? How much are their fringe? Where did the question go? Oh, sorry. I was I messed with you. Uh, I, I, that, just keep it in your toes. Just keep it in your toes, my best friend. How much are their fringe top guys get paid compared to the UFC? five to 15 ranked fighters. How are their former champions paid compared to other UFC contracts? Uh, it seems a lot of people have instantly developed a stance that the grass is greener for everybody over at PFL. But is this really true? So I don't know, honestly, about the dollar numbers, but I'm sure it's not terribly far off from what the like first contract is for the UFC. Um, Plus, you're getting the opportunity to million and all that other stuff. So this is just an interesting question because of where PFL is positioned after this Francis deal. There are some people who feel like, like to me, I feel like this could be a game changer. Like PFL could be WCW here. I'm not saying they are now, 
but they could be. If this pays off and this Francis deal works and it gets a few more big free agent names to head on over to PFL and they can swing this and make it work and not go out of business, this could be the WCW moment. This could be it. And I'm hoping and I'm wishing that that is what happens here because the MMA space, if that happens, will become so fun and so interesting if this does happen, if this is a wrinkle effect down everything. Now, this remains to be seen. Will this work? Because this is a huge risk. I mean, this is great for Francis. Francis didn't just fumble the bag. He picked up 12 more bags on the way to the finish line. He has all the bags. So this worked out great for him. PFL, potentially this could work out great for them, but I just have a million questions about how they're going to recoup any of this money anytime soon because they're just not going to do well on pay-per-view. And I don't know. They just have a lot to deal with and there needs to be more. It can't just be Francis. They, this need, Like I said, this, there needs to be an NWO. You got Jake Paul, you got Francis. You need one more big name at least on that roster that can be like, oh my freaking God, this guy's in the PFL or this girl is in the PFL. And all respect to Kayla Harrison and what she's been able to do as the face of that promotion since it really launched, but she's not it. She's not that NWO third member game-changing name. You need somebody else. And... I feel like the PFL is at least positioning themselves, AK, as a very fascinating alternative that a lot of fighters who are on the cusp of free agency who may not be a star in the UFC have talked to their managers at some point over the last 10, 14 days and said, look, let's keep, let's keep PFL on speed dial in case we need them. I feel like this Francis move has at least gotten fighters attention to the point where if they're going to become a free agent, they will be less likely to just re-sign a deal with the UFC. They're going to have a conversation with the PFL before doing anything else. What are your thoughts on what this deal could mean? And could perhaps the grass become the greenest grass outside of Las Vegas with this whole thing? I was uh, very optimistic when the deal was made. I still am. I still am. I think, uh, my immediate grade was I gave Francis an A, if only because for me an A plus would have been if Francis had signed with the PFL and if we also knew that he'd sort of like locked in a fight, even if it wasn't with like a Tyson, uh, boxing match, sorry. Even if it wasn't with like a Tyson Fury or a Deontay Wilder or Anthony Joshua, if he at least we knew like, oh, he's definitely, and, and I get it, his him and his manager are saying we're, you know, we're in talks with a lot of opponents, we're very confident he's going to box in 2023 and that's great and that's great. But there's still a chance it doesn't happen. So for, an A plus for me would have been all the stuff we know he got from the PFL, plus a boxing match locked in. I did give the PFL an A+, plus, though. I gave the PFL an A-plus in the deal, and I, I'm going to stand by it because I think uh, in the short term, it uh, accomplishes its goal of getting people talking about the league, man. I mean, people are, are rightfully questioning, like, you know, where are they going to get the money for all this? His opponents are guaranteed $2 million, plus he's going to get paid, you know, presumably more than that. Let's say even... Let's say even uh, a conservative estimate. Let's say he's making two and a half million. You know, he's making two and a half million. His opponent's making two million. He's probably making more than two and a half million. That's like four and a half million for like a non pay per view. Oh, I guess they're going to put on pay per view. I'm sorry. For an uh, unproven uh, pay per view brand, the super fight division, 
Uh, plus, I guess he's going to get points. I don't know if the opponent gets points. He's going to get points. So this is a lot of money for for the PFL to invest. I don't know if they're looking for this to be like a loss leader where like just they know they're going to lose money on Francis fights. But overall, if they can keep, you know, draw an interest, keep getting investors interested, um, you know, just keep that buzz going, that that is worth it more overall to their brand. That's certainly possible. Again, a lot of companies do this. Um, uh, just for another example, a different kind of example, WWE, with their, their whole NXT brand for the longest time was not a money-making brand, but it, it drew interest to other aspects of the company and in the long run, I think, has been beneficial. This is a, definitely a different gamble for PFL because this is at the very top that we're talking about. This isn't like some side thing if it doesn't work out. If this Francis deal doesn't work out, I don't think it's the end of the league, but it's very, very, very hurtful to them. So there's a lot of risk, but I still consider it an A+, just because... The alternative is to to do nothing, to not attempt to make these big waves, and to eventually either either just peter out as a lot of promotions have, or be content to be like number three behind Bellator or behind you know bare knuckle boxing. As it is, if we're just talking about like how much we'll talk about it, bare knuckle's still up there, but I think PFL in the last couple of weeks is at least for now is number two. If we're talking about Q rating, buzzworthy, you know, just making moves, they're number two. It it, it was that big. Uh, I want to touch upon uh, how mo- how much former champions get paid compared to UFC contracts. We don't know everyone. We do know Anthony Pettis got seven hundred and fifty grand for his June twenty fourth fight uh, last year, which is incredible. Again, I don't know if that's what every you know UFC transfer can expect to uh, to get. I, I, he's the only. I want to say he's the only champion. Uh, Vora McDonald two hundred fifty grand. Uh, not a former UFC champion, former Bellator champion. Fabricio Verdum was there. Yeah, how much did he make? I don't know. Do we know? Do we know? Um, oh, sorry, uh, you're missing former. Yeah, I don't know if we got the payday for that one. And his whole deal with them was weird. The no contest and everything. Yeah. But we see. It seems to be that if you're a former UFC champion or even a Bellator champion, you're you're getting a good deal. And as you mentioned, Mike, we don't know about the fringe guys and sort of the lower level guys, but they can't be making. It's very unlikely they're making that much less, if at all, than twelve and twelve, which is what a lot of these sort of contender series guys are getting, uh, guys and gals. So it's. It, I don't want to say the grass is greener, but every promotion sort of has can offer things that UFC doesn't. With Bellator, sort of the sponsorships and and uh, I guess a lot of guys. Uh, it feels like there's a little more freedom. Um, but again, then you go to Bellator, you're sacrificing pay-per-view points because you could become... Johnny Eblen is never going to get pay-per-view points. Bellator, it's just not a thing. Uh, Yaroslav Amosov is ne- never going to get pay-per-view points. So there is a cap to how much they can make. So it's not always greener in Bellator. It's not always greener in the PFL, one championship. But it's 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 different. It's, it's fresh and you can still make a lot of money and not be under some of the restrictions that the UFC has. So, um, and the, and now Francis is showing how many restrictions can truly be lifted. I mean, they're going to let him box, which is just something the UFC will, would never do. Um, forget Dana's Floyd May. Well, we made the Floyd Mayweather fight happen talk. Oh my God. Bullcrap. I don't want to get you started. Mike, you got to go. So we got to, I don't want to get you started on that. But yeah, I, I don't want to say I'm not as, I, I'm a little more probably cautious with this PFL deal. But like I said, short term, it's an A plus long term could be an a plus 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 there was just no reason not to do it and uh and i'm glad it happened so yeah is the grass always greener i don't know but it's certainly a different color and for a lot of fighters i think that's worth exploring yes i'm super cautious about the deal but golly am i fascinated if this works i'm telling you this is this is the this is the change this is it this is wcw baby I'm not saying it will pfl could be mid-south for all we know and 
they get a little buzz and then they just go out of business. Like could happen, but they could also become WCW and change the game. And that that's a world I want to live in. AK that's a world I want to live in where there's competition, like real competition at the top where in 1987, there's no one who could come close to WWF. And then they did it for 83 weeks and then it was over, but at least they did it. And they changed the business. WWF has never been the same since all those wrestlers are making great money and getting guaranteed contracts. The whole game changed. And maybe it just takes this one move to change the game for us all for the fighters getting paid for the fighters to have the courage and the intestinal fortitude to band together, to battle against those who don't, they feel like aren't paying them enough when they're making $300 million in profit every year. This could be the change, and this is tremendous change, and I hope it works out. And once again, PFL, I know Francis A. Fight until 2024, but you have a card coming up very soon. You have multiple cards coming up very soon. Please, for the love of God, make them digestible. Make them digestible. Appetizer, salad right after the app, meal right after the salad is finished, and then dessert right away i don't want to wait for any food just give me the damn food that's what i want i don't need to wait 30 minutes between courses give me the food right away finish one thing room next food room next food (laughs) don't make me watch a pfl broadcast for 14 hours don't do it make these digestible you're gonna have you're gonna have more people watching your cards for this next one than you had it all last year Please, for the love of God, don't let me go on Twitter and see 800 people saying, what am I doing with my life? This is taking forever. <laughs> Use this momentum to your advantage. Take that snowball, turn it into the lower third of the snowman. Please, I'm begging you. I'm rooting for you, PFL. I'm rooting for you. We're all rooting for you. We're rooting for you. Rooting for you, Bellator. <laughs> rooting for all of you. One, you don't need us to root for you because you have billions and billions of people. So you don't need us rooting for you. You've already won, apparently. But uh, we have won today. Great questions from everybody. We'll put a pin in this. We will answer the rest next week. Uh, AK, thank you. Appreciate you, my best friend. I have to go pick up my kid. Uh, But for all of us, have a great weekend if you're in the U.S. Don't forget what Memorial Day is all about. And enjoy the long weekend, everybody. Back next week following UFC Vegas 74. Main event is Amir Albazi versus Kai Kara France. Should be a fun one. And we'll be back to recap it all from a matchmaking perspective right here on On to the Next One, the podcast. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.